Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. I'm excited that today we're actually closing out a series that we've been in for the last several weeks. Um, This is the very end of our series called The Runaway that we've been in for, for a while now. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been going through the book of Jonah together, and we've been looking at um, the mistakes that Jonah made, um, the different things, that, the decisions that Jonah made and what he did in his life. And we've been looking at those mistakes and trying to learn from them and see, okay, how do we avoid making those same mistakes? Um, something that we've been talking about over the last year or so and, and going into this year is really making it a point for us as a church to step out into obedience, into the spiritual work that God has for us outside of a Sunday. So outside, in our city, in Clarksville, in our local communities, in our neighborhoods. And as we do that, we don't want to repeat the mistakes of Jonah. Jonah was entrusted to bring a message to this, this city of Nineveh, and he went the opposite direction. We don't want to be like that in our lives. We've talked about how Jonah had the word of God in him. He knew, he knew God's word, but he didn't have the heart of God in him. Um, so we don't want to be like that. We want to have both the Word and the heart of God. So that's kind of what we've been studying. And today we're coming up on these last couple of verses, Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. You guys can start turning there, get yourselves prepared um, to, be, to be reading that. And uh, as I was studying this, as I was kind of preparing and digging into it, I was starting to realize that I can really relate to Jonah quite a bit in what he's about to experience in what we're reading today. Um, I remember when I was 18 years old, still living with my family, um, I was under my parents' roof, under their authority, um, but, you know, as you're an 18-year-old kid, you think that you're, you're a legal adult, so you can make your own decisions. And I remember thinking, all right, I'm going to choose what I want to do in my life. And there was a little bit of a butting heads between my parents at this time, but again, at 18, I didn't have a car, I didn't have really any money, so I'm really relying on them and, and pretty much everything. And I remember my family had a, had a car that they would let me use. It was the family minivan, Chrysler, a gold Chrysler minivan. And I had free reign to use that as much as I wanted, but I had to follow some very specific rules. And there wasn't a lot, but there was one main one that I had to always be following. And the main rule was you always have to be back by 11 p.m. Make sure you're back home by 11 p.m. And they would drill that into me. This is the rule. Just, just do that and we're, we're cool. But again, 18-year-old me, I'm thinking, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. I'm not going to make a dumb decision. Let me do what I want to do. I'm going to go out. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'll come back when I want to. And I know my parents would go to sleep typically around 1030. So I'd be like, who's going to know any different? It's not even going to matter. No one's going to care. And I was very stubborn in that and pushing my way and my thoughts about it. And I remember as I was pushing that, I would get some, you know, talk to you about it push it 30 minutes, 45 minutes. They're like, you need to be back on time. But again, I just kept on going my way. And at one particular night, I came back pretty far after my, my deadline time. I didn't come back an hour later. I came back at 3 a.m. Okay. Should have been 11 p.m., 3 a.m. That's when I returned. And I remember thinking, it's not going to matter. Who cares? They're going to be asleep. They're not going to be thinking about this. I pull in the driveway, the lights pitch black, the whole house is dark, turn the car off, tiptoe up to the front door, unlock the door real quiet, open it up, peek in the living room, it's all dark, it's, there's nothing happening in there. I'm like, see, I knew it. 
I knew that I was fine. It was not a big deal. And I step inside and I turn. I latch the door real quietly, turn the deadbolt, and I turn back and my dad's standing right there. (laughs) My dad's looking directly at me. My dad flips the light switch on and he says, why don't you have a seat? And he points to the couch. And he has me sit down. And my dad spends the next hour and a half talking to me about the heart behind why that rule existed. Why that was such an important thing that I come back at the time that they had told me to. And at the end of that, that long conversation that I was not anticipating at all, my dad left me with a, a choice that I had to make. My dad told me, listen, AJ, you can either follow my rules, you can be obedient, or you can leave. You can get your own car, you can get your own house, and you can go see how life treats you when you're on your own. And I was left with that decision to make. That reminds me so much of what Jonah is about to experience today. In fact, the title of today's message is Left with a Choice. Left with a Choice. Now, if you were here last week, um, we covered some kind of important details. Hopefully, if you missed that, I would encourage you after today to go back and listen to it because um, what we talked about last week really does pave the way for what's talked about this week. Um, But last week, what we saw was Jonah on this collision course with God. It's after he had already gone to Nineveh. He had shared like he was originally supposed to. Nineveh repents. God relents. He doesn't destroy them. Jonah goes out. He's super upset. He's real angry. We talked about that. And we concluded as Jonah was on that collision course running the opposite direction, his heart is literally opposed to God's in almost every way. Um, God leaves Jonah with a question. And he leaves him with this question where he's trying to get Jonah to humble himself and turn from his stubborn path. That's what he wants for Jonah. But what we're going to see this week is Jonah does not do that. Jonah continues to ignore God and go the opposite direction. And then what this does is this leads, in the end, to Jonah ultimately seeing God's heart in a way that he wasn't expecting, in a moment that he wasn't expecting, and ultimately him being left with a choice himself. So that's where we're going to go. Would you guys start off with me, verses 5 and 6. It says, Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade until he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, and he made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Okay, this is where we're going to stop. This is where our first point comes from. Point one, it's God's job to judge and our job to share truth. It's God's job to judge and our job to share truth. So keep in mind, this is all taking place after God had already relented. So evidently, the 40 days that were originally told to Nineveh, after this 40 days, you guys are going to be annihilated. The 40 days is, is up. Um, Nineveh has been forgiven. Jonah should know that. That's why he was so upset to begin with and what we talked about last week. But we, what we read today is that Jonah, after having that question, he, he ignores God, says he goes out of the city to the east of it, and he builds himself a booth out here. Now, this is a very arid desert land. Um, in the summertime and in, in the peak hours of the day, um, it can be up to 120 degrees or even more. It's really hot out there. It's deserty. 
Um, there's not really a lot of resources to work with out there. Um, not a lot of sources for water or anything like that. Um, so when it says that he built a booth for himself, that's talking about like a temporary shelter, something small that he can kind of live in and, and use for like a hut. Um, probably what he used was a bunch of stones. He would just collect up rocks out there, bigger rocks, stack them up, build like a little wall or a wall and a half too, kind of making like a V shape. And then he would probably find scrub brush and put that over and try to use that as a roof. And it says that he does that in order to have a shade for his head. Um, a better word probably translated here, that word shade can actually mean shadow. And that's probably more likely what's happening here. Jonah is just building some walls up that at different points in the day, the shadow gets cast and he can kind of sit in that spot and feel a little bit more comfortable. That's what Jonah is doing. That's what's taking place. So Jonah built this stuff and he's sitting out there. And our question should be, okay, why is Jonah out here? Well, it says why. It says that he's out there to see what would become of the city. That's why he went out. This is showing us that Jonah cannot accept in his heart that Nineveh has been spared. He just can't do it. Jonah is convinced that their destruction is just delayed. In his mind, he's thinking, well, maybe God's just postponing what he said he was going to do, but it's still going to happen. It's still going to, going to come down on them. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for that. Jonah believes that the Ninevites' hearts, he's, he's being a judge of these people's hearts right now. And what he's doing is he's believing that their repentance is not, not very authentic and real. Um, Jonah, as he's looking at them, he is thinking about how um, this group, these, these people, the Ninevites, they don't know who the God of Israel is. They don't follow him. So they're just going to treat him in the same way that they treat all of their gods. And the way that they treated their gods was very, they were very fickle and you could buy them off. You could almost bribe them with a sacrifice or you do the right the right thing, and you can get on their good side. So Jonah is thinking, that's how they're going to treat God. This is not going to be authentic. In a couple of weeks, a couple of days even, they're going to be right back to their old ways. This is not real. This is all just a big show. This is showing us that Jonah's heart is very, very jaded against these people. He's grown very um, hard in his heart against them. He truly believes so strongly in, in what he is expecting of his own ideas and his own opinions, that in the face of reality, he, he's staring down right now at Nineveh that still exists. He's looking at God's grace, but he can't believe it. In his mind, nope, it's not grace. It's just that their destruction hasn't happened yet. So Jonah, when he's sitting there, staring down on Nineveh, waiting for God's hand to eventually come down and start stirring things up in Nineveh, He's waiting kind of in vain. It's not going to happen. Um, Jonah doesn't understand that Nineveh is not God's concern right now. Jonah is what God is concerned with. Um, God does reach down, but God reaches down very differently than Jonah might expect. He sends this plant, this plant that grows. It says that God appointed a plant to grow up over Jonah, that it might be a shade to his head. Um, that plant was probably a castor oil plant. And that's a plant that can grow very quickly, normally. And also, it's a plant that can grow up to 10 feet tall, very large, and it has very wide, broad leaves. So it's like the perfect shade plant, it's the ideal situation. So God appoints this plant 
to grow up over Jonah, and it does create a lot of shade, so much so that it initially says that Jonah, seeing this plant sitting in there, he is exceedingly glad. That means that he's like rejoicing with intensity. It's kind of funny. It's the first time Jonah's happy the whole entire book. All the rest of the book, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's running from God, and now he's happy. Now he's excited. But the reason for his excitement is a little bit more than it's just shade. I think that Jonah right now really believes that this is God's divine approval for what he's doing. That's why he's so happy. Because Jonah is so caught up in his ideas and his opinions that he's viewing this moment right now and he's thinking, oh yeah, God set me up for the show. He wants me to be comfortable, to sit back and get ready to see the fireworks. Jonah is caught up in his ideas and his mentality. And I think that's, that's very interesting because God is actually, in sending this plant, God is doing the beginnings of a work of judging Jonah's heart, of setting things up to help get Jonah to understand what's actually happening here. Because Jonah doesn't realize this, but God is looking down on him and God sees every little detail of what's happening inside of him, where his heart's at. He sees his hopes how much he hopes and desires for Nineveh to be wiped off the map and destroyed. He sees the animosity inside of him towards these people, how he hates them, how he rejects them, how he wants nothing to do with them. And he sees his thoughts about himself. God sees how Jonah is very prideful and caught up in what what he thinks is right and how he's a great guy and how ultimately he's deserving of grace, but these people aren't. God sees all of this. And what I've noticed here is that this is such an important lesson for us. And the lesson is that we can be so much like Jonah in doing the same thing that he's doing right now. It's so easy to prejudge the hearts of people. Now, before I go further, I just want to mention when I'm talking about judging hearts, what I mean by that is the people who do not know Jesus, people who are outside of the church, who have nothing to do with Jesus. Um, that's not our job to judge them and, and the way that they are thinking. That's not our role. When we're talking about people within the church, we, can, we are actually told to discern one another's hearts, to be willing to judge what's going on in the church and point out things to help the church continue to be more righteous and walk in purity. That's not what we're talking about here. Okay, what we're talking about is it's God's job to judge um, where people's heart position is in regards to repentance, salvation, and ultimately accepting truth. That's what we're talking about. And so easy for us to prejudge these people. I know for a lot of us, it's easy to start to believe that our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, different family members we may have, politicians even, we begin to look at all these people and we start to really believe in our heart, these people are too far gone to actually accept and repent. They've gone too far. There's no way. And we start to really believe that. We actually expect them to reject the truth if it were to be offered to them at all. We start to make those assumptions off of maybe what people have posted on their social media, what we've heard people say to us or to others, what people have, have done, their actions, um, potentially the organizations that we know people might be a part of or participate with. We look at those things and we take those factors and we start to say, yep, it's not even worth my time sharing truth with them because if I did, they would just reject it anyway. And then what do we do? We start to mirror Jonah to the T where we sit back and we look down at them and we just wait for their judgment in expectation that that's what's going to happen. 
It's not our job to discern the quality of people's hearts. It's not our job to discern whether or not someone will or will not accept truth. That's not our role. That's not what we are burdened with, okay? It's our job to align with God's heart for people, with God's heart for for our world, to begin to seek his kingdom here and now. That means walking in the ways that God has said, hey, this is what a life in Christ looks like. This is how you are to exist as a community together. We're going to build that kingdom together here. And then ultimately, we're going to share truth or we're going to be witnesses for Jesus. That's what our job is. That's what our role is. And because God sees hearts, because he reads the inner workings of what's going on inside of people, he knows Because of that, God is able to then lead us when we're walking in step with him in what, how, and when to speak. In the same way that he knew the Ninevites' hearts before Jonah ever got there, he told Jonah a specific message to go share because he knew what they would respond to. All Jonah had to do was be obedient to share the message. God knows the people in our lives' hearts. And he's going to speak to us. If we're walking in obedience alongside him in the spirit, if we're doing that, God is going to reveal, okay, this is who I want you to go speak to. He's going to give us a burden for that. He's going to say, this is what you need to share with them in love. This is how you're going to speak truth into their life. God will be faithful to do that. And honestly, the repercussions, whether they do accept or whether they do reject, that's not your problem to worry about. Your problem to worry about is to be obedient with the message at all. We are to share truth. That's our job. So what we see happening there is just further proof of how far off the track Jonah has gotten. So far off the path that God would actually have for him. This is where his heart has come to. But again, because God is the one who knows hearts and he's the one who discerns it, he knows exactly what to do in Jonah's life to get his attention. And that's what he starts to do. If you guys want to read verses seven and eight. He says, but when dawn came, came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. Okay, point number two is that God is working to show us how passionate he is for his children. God is working to show us how passionate he is for his children. So what we read right here, what's beginning to take place, this is just the start of God trying to coax Jonah into vulnerability. Um, Earlier, God had asked um, Jonah some questions and, and Jonah had ignored it. So now Jonah is being met with God's work in his life so that God can work some things out of him. Um, God is actually setting the stage to ultimately show Jonah the difference between their hearts, how far apart they actually are. That's what God is setting up right now. Now that's not going to fully come together right now in this point. That's where we're headed, but I just want you guys to be aware of that so you guys understand what's happening in just a little bit. What's happening right here is God takes away the comfort that Jonah had, that plant that God appointed that grew up over him. Um, It says that God appointed a worm and the worm attacked the plant so that it withered. So the plant goes away, the sun comes up. It says that God sends a scorching east wind. 
Um, raise your hand if you like to bake or you like to cook. Decent amount of you guys. Have any of you guys opened an oven before? Probably all of us have. You know the feeling when you open the oven up and that hot wind that just like pours out and burns your eyeballs out? That's what, that's what Jonah is probably experiencing right now out there. That's that scorching east wind that's coming on him. Okay, Jonah is experiencing that. And the sun is pummeling his head. It's super hot. I can relate to this so well. Growing up in Arizona, hanging out and playing in the desert, I can understand what this is like. And I know that if you're out in the desert for a long time and you don't have water, it's only a matter of time till you start to die, literally. That's what's beginning to happen to Jonah. It says he starts to faint away. That means he's growing weak. He's starting to have some like heat exhaustion out here. Um, Jonah is suffering out there, experiencing this. And it says that this leads Jonah to say something pretty interesting. Um, It says that he asked that he might die, saying it is better for me to die than to live. That's pretty interesting, that word asked that's used right there. It's a little bit more like intense of a word than it comes across. This is a lot more than just your run-of-the-mill prayer, like you're just talking off the cuff. Um, that word asked actually implies with passion or from the soul. So what Jonah is doing right now is you could say that he's with passion in his heart. From his soul, he's telling God, it is better. It's actually right. It's worthwhile that I die out here. In fact, it's better that I would do that than for me to continue living. Now, I love that because Jonah does not even begin to grasp how amazing of a contrast that he's just set up for us to be able to look at. I want you guys to think about this for a second. Jonah, right now, he is out here in this desert of his own will. God didn't force him to it. God didn't even tell him that he was supposed to be there. Jonah did that of his own choice. No human being is there holding a gun to his head, telling him that he's got to stay out here in this wind. He's out there on his own, because he wants to be out there, okay? Jonah being out there in this moment has just spoken to God saying that he is willing to go to the point of death. He will accept death because he is so passionate about the judgment of these people. He is so convinced and so hard set in his belief, in his ideas, in his opinions, that he's willing to die for that. And the reason this is such an amazing contrast is because that paints such an amazing picture when you put that next to the heart of Jesus. I mean, think about that. Jesus, also willing to step out of heaven, his choice, not forced, into the desert of this corrupt world, separated from God. He stepped into this desolate place and then willingly chose to go to death but not for people's judgment, for people's forgiveness, for people's salvation and freedom. You literally see two people right now, Jonah and Jesus, mirroring the same things, but on the opposite end of the spectrum. That's incredible to me. One person deeply selfish in Jonah, the other deeply selfless in Jesus. God in doing this right now is currently in this process of teaching Jonah about the depths that his love actually go for humankind. 
That's what God's doing right now. Now, Jonah doesn't see it yet. Jonah doesn't have this comparison that we were able to just look at because we have the benefit of hindsight. Jesus hasn't come yet. So Jonah doesn't know all this is happening. And he's going to find out about it when we get into the next point. But before we move on to that, I want us to understand what this means for us. What this comparison, this contrast shows us is that God is always trying to teach us more about the grace that he has given to us. Always. It never ends. The, the salvation that we received because Jesus was willing to die and go to the cross and ultimately be resurrected, that salvation that we've received is honestly an endless pool of deeper understanding. You never get to the end of it. You never get to a point where like, I fully get it now. I get all of the details about God's grace and, and what his death means and what it meant that he would do that, that he was willing to do that. You will never, ever, ever over the course of your whole life, no matter how hard you pursue Jesus, you will never grasp it all until you're with him in heaven. That's how deep it is. Maturing in faith ultimately means unveiling the wildness of God's spectacular love for people. That's what comes out of maturing in faith. And part of that growth comes from God rooting out sin in our life showing us the contradictions that are going on inside of us. Just like he's doing in Jonah. As he coaxes Jonah out, he's rooting out this very sinful, selfish nature of his that Jonah would speak and ultimately show us this contrast. What, what, what God does in our lives as he roots out sin is he begins to show us and shine a spotlight on it. Is he's showing you, as you look at that, as you look in the mirror, wow, I really need to change. That is so far off of the nature and the heart of God. That's what God is doing. See, the problem for a lot of us is, and this is very important, especially as we go into Easter, so we're about to have um, the season of Good Friday and Easter and looking at all of this, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Many of us have grown very complacent in, in this message. We've gotten to the point where we look at what Jesus did. We've heard it a bunch of times. We've been through many, many church services that ends with um, an invitation for people to come to know Jesus. And what that has produced in us a lot of the time is this complacency to say, I know enough about it. I already get it. I grasp the concept, okay? I'm going to move on to some deeper things. We can't do that. That can't be an acceptable thing. That causes us to ultimately stagnate in our pursuit of Jesus, in the same way that your car, your car is valuable and has worth when you get in it and you bring your keys to turn it on and it's able to drive you and propel you forward, your faith is inoperable if you don't bring the keys of understanding what the death of Jesus really is and put that in and start driving forward. You need both. Again, this, if we do that, if we begin to lose sight of this stuff, we start to not understand any longer God's heart, just like Jonah and we begin to grow numb to the ways that he wants to work in this world. We start to lose sight of it all. Now Jonah, that's exactly what happened to him. He had lost sight of God's heart. He doesn't see it anymore. He's caught up in his own stuff. But God is about to reveal it to him again. He's about to make it very clear and very known. This is in verses 9 through 11. It says, But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant 
for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Okay, point number three, the last point in this series, really where this series hangs, is God has left us with a choice to follow or flee. God has left us with a choice to follow or flee. So these last few verses kind of close out Jonah in an odd way. It's a little bit unexpected, but there is purpose in it. And we're going to kind of understand that in just a minute. But it starts off with God, after Jonah has finally laid things out there, he's started to interact with God. He's not ignoring him like he was before. God asks Jonah a question again. He asks him, do you have the right to be angry for the plant? Very interesting question. It's almost the identical same question he asked Jonah earlier when Jonah did ignore him, except for this time has those three added words. Do you have the right to be angry for the plant? God knew when he sent that plant, that's what it was going to take to get Jonah out. That was the bait that needed to be put before him to get him to engage. And Jonah takes the bait. Jonah responds and he says, yes, I do have the right to be angry, even to the point of death, God. And then God is ready. Now that Jonah's responded, he's, he's made his intentions very clear. God is able to put all of this in perspective for him. And God starts to respond. God says to him, Jonah, you had compassion for a plant. You had pity for a plant. He begins to talk about this plant a little bit more. He says, this is a plant, Jonah, that you didn't do anything for it. This moved you to be emotional when that plant died. You were all upset about it. You didn't do anything. You didn't put the seed in the ground. You didn't put water on it to make it grow. You didn't tend it and make sure bugs weren't getting on it to kill it, obviously. Um, you, didn't, you didn't come to this plant and prune it to make sure it continues growing. You didn't do anything for the plant. And yet you're, you're moved to compassion for it, Jonah? And then God goes on and he says, this is a plant that came and died in a day. It came and perished in a day. Interesting word choice there. That word perished means to be exterminated or annihilated. God's saying this plant was annihilated over the course of an evening. And yet you were moved to emotion. In the grand scheme of things, this stupid, insignificant plant that was in existence for nothing in the context of time, that's what you're upset about. You have compassion for that. And God uses Jonah's heart, what he's feeling in regards to that, to point out how he feels about humankind and show him the, the major difference between the two. God says to him, should I not have compassion on Nineveh then? The comparison that God's trying to make here is that, and Jonah would understand this, that God is saying he created human beings in his image. Okay, he created them. He brought us into existence. And not only did he just bring us into existence and then just leave us there, that's not what he did. He's willing to bear with us every moment as we rejected him, as we go the wrong ways. And he was willing to work with us in order to show us the truth, to help us understand what it means to walk in repentance so that we can have salvation. He's bearing with us in the midst of all of this. He's willing to struggle with us through it. He's put the time in. Decade after decade after millennia after millennia, God has been at work in the lives and in, in the people of humanity. 
Jonah's done nothing for the plant, and yet Jonah thinks he has the right to be upset. God moves on and he says something interesting. He says, in this city, there's over 120,000 people who don't even know their right hand from their left hand, Jonah. God is pointing out that these people have this relative ignorance, this spiritual immaturity. They don't understand. They don't grasp the weight of what's happening around them, spiritually speaking. They don't get it. And Jonah's, or God's heart breaks for these people. And Jonah doesn't get it. Jonah's missing it. God lays this all on the table. He shows Jonah how crazy the contrast between where Jonah's heart is and where God's heart is. And then that's where the book ends. I know when we first conclude there, it seems kind of odd. It seems like, oh, should, what's next? Am I supposed to flip the page? No, that's Micah. There's no more here about Jonah. We start having questions. What's going on with him? Did he respond? Did Jonah answer? Did he die out there? He was having a heat stroke a minute ago. Did he hear God's heart and say, oh, I understand, I need to repent. Did he go back into Nineveh and start telling them about who this God that just gave him the incredible forgiveness? What happened? We don't know. It doesn't say. You know, I love that though. And I believe that it was by intention that the book ends this way. Because what happens is this leaves us as the reader of this story, this true story that took place, it, leads, it leaves us with a dilemma. And the dilemma it leaves us with is what are we going to do with this information now ourselves? God essentially writes this and allows this to be written so he can put this ball in our court and not say, oh, this is how it wraps up nice and neat for Jonah. But instead, it's very direct, leaving us with a choice. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond to it? Now that you know this, what's going to happen? In reality, we are confronted and left with this choice, the same one that Jonah is left with, to either follow God or flee from God. No middle ground, it's one or the other. And that's where Jonah is at. We have to take a pretty serious look, and this is what we already began to do last week, of being willing to look at our own hearts, our own lives, Again, what we talked about last week very much bleeds into what we're talking about this week. But if we had already humbled ourselves, we'd be coming into this with a very soft heart and be prepared to be confronted with this. Um, What God's doing is trying to get us to be willing and ready to look at our hearts and then make a commitment to following him in our life, giving him everything, falling in line with his heart and not just our own opinions and ideas. And if we're going to do that, we have to understand that taking the plunge into this following of Jesus is going to require some stuff of us. It's going to mean maybe starting out serving God um, here on Sunday. It could mean actually stepping into the outreach that we've been talking about in our community. It can mean stepping out and talking to our family, friends, neighbors, whoever it may be that we have um, this opportunity to share truth with, being faithful to do those things. That's what it means to step up, to begin to start walking in this obedience. The truth is, if we're going to do that, if we're going to submit to the Lord, if we're going to get in line with his heart, it's going to come at the cost of a couple of things. And we're all confronted with it. It's the same for all of us. None of us are exempt. The cost is your comfort. You don't just get to do what you want all the time. You don't get to use your finances the way that you want to use them all the time. It means that you don't get to just stay home all the time. 
It means that you're going to have to let go of the opinions that we hold so deeply. Say, it's not about what I think that's going on right now. It's not about how I view this person's situation right now. It's not about any of that. Right now, instead, I'm going to set that aside just to be faithful and obedient to the heart of God. Following Jesus, truly following him, what this question that Jonah has been left with, truly following him and, and getting in line with him is a whole lot more than just Sunday attendance. Just showing up here doesn't check the box that you're doing this. Following Jesus is pursuing Jesus. Every moment, every day. His heart, his ideas, his values. That's what it means. If we're not going to do that, the only other option is to flee. Like I said, you don't get to be in the middle. If you flee, you're going to begin to live a life that mirrors Jonah's. I want you guys to keep this in mind. Like It's possible to be obedient sometimes, and God will work in spite of us at times, just like he did with Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh, and God did some pretty miraculous stuff. But you know what happened to Jonah? There was no reward in him for him whatsoever. He got nothing out of it. In fact, he only got frustration from it. Why is that? It's because he wasn't walking in the heart of God. That should have been a moment that produced extraordinary joy in him. It should have allowed him to see a point of view of God that no one else has ever seen in history almost. And he's missing out on it entirely. See, the truth is when we walk in following Jesus genuinely, there is so much adventure there. There is so much joy there. There's so much excitement there, so much life, so much purpose, whether things are going real bad or whether things are going real good. We always are able to have that. That's what it means. That's what it means to have truth in our life when we're walking it out, to have this fountain of living water that we've, we've talked about pouring out from out of us. That's what it means to be following Jesus. But you can cut yourself off from that if you flee, if you run the opposite way. We have the choice. We're left with the same choice. And really, this is the last thing I want to say to all of us today, is that if you choose to follow Jesus, if you choose that, you're going to experience some things unlike anything else you could ever imagine. God's plans for your life are so much better than what you could even think of or dream of. But it could come at the cost, and it will come at the cost of your comfort and your opinions. So at the end of this message right now, I just want to ask you, whose footsteps do you want to follow in? You want to follow in the footsteps of Jonah? Or do you want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.